You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine when it hurts. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. I'm falling, and I can't get up. All right, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps, the show where we touch on everything and anything that impacts the flow of money from around the corner to around the world. And this show is brought to you by Falcon Global Acquisitions. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. Last week, I spoke uh, about my views on gold, oil, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google, and a few others. And I want to revisit that this week and add on to that conversation. Um, yet you have so many people that are trying to figure out where gold is going. They're running around trying to figure it out. Is it going up, down, sideways? And then they're trying to figure out the impact that it'll have on the rest of the market. On top of that, you have so many people, they're, they're blaming geopolitical situations, and then while others are still blaming a strong U.S. dollar. Uh, I want to shed my light, my own light, on this topic, and maybe it'll give you uh, something to think about, and maybe it'll get you thinking a little bit differently about precious metals in general. Now, gold was once the uh, backing for currency, okay, in a big way. Uh, there's no question that the more gold you had, the more strength your currency had. The stronger your country was, that was power. Uh, the perceived value is what drove men to venture the, to the farthest ends of the earth uh, for the metal, despite the level of danger, whether they were going to live, die. You know, people gave their lives for this stuff. And that perception was due to the limited supply in the world, uh, which at, at that time in history, it made some type of sense. You know, uh, they didn't have... As I said, you know, back way back, you're talking about hundreds of years, hundreds of years ago, uh, they didn't have uh, currency like we have today. Even thousands of years, they didn't have currency. They didn't have paper. They had, they have things, and gold was one of those things, and that was value. Um, so, in any event, they, uh, you know, the perceived value was there, and it made some type of sense. Uh, the the money was there to be made, uh, and some people did again did whatever it it, it took in order to stake their claims and, and get that gold, you know, to take care of their families and just get wealthy. Um, so now the key word I, I keep using is the perception. And what what value is put on something based on the, the, the perceived value of society? So this is, this is you know, what, what we go by, right? What, what, what value does society uh, uh, put on a certain thing? You know, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to touch on uh, tulip mania for a second because the perceived value of tulips at that point was they, they were so valuable that you can buy, you know, you can buy land, you can buy anything with them. But then when the overabundance came in and people realized, hey, you know, that perceived value is not true, there was a collapse. And the same holds true for the stock market. And here's the perceived value of a company, the perceived value of anything, what people, the, the value that they put on it. And that, that's, that's, that's what that's about. And I keep using that word. And you know, I've traveled the world 
personally acquiring gold privately for clients. And I wasn't trading futures. I wasn't in, in an office with a suit and a tie trading futures. Futures. I was physically going and acquiring this for them so that these, so that these commodity brokers and these traders can actually trade futures. So, you know, um, so I got to see firsthand how everything worked from the ground to the retail level. And this also goes for diamonds, but that's a story for another day that I'll share with you guys. Um, but uh, let's just stay on. Uh, let's just stay on the gold topic. Uh, so I've seen everything from the extraction until it showed up on someone's finger. And I mentioned I mentioned my views on gold via social media. I've done this multiple times. And, and here's the skinny. Okay, gold. Is, is, in, in a way, and I mean, you know, again, I see it at it, that it's way, way overvalued. That, that's my view and that's my opinion. Um, the reasoning, uh, for owning gold today is not the same reasoning it was 30 years ago. The perceived value is based on, on what right now? I, I'm not understanding. It's not, it's not based on, on uh, reasoning from 30 years ago. It can't be. And it's impossible. Uh, it's not based on sovereign nations hoarding it because of the fear of a recession. That's not the case. Many nations have sold off some of their holdings. Some of the largest gold uh, holders in the world do not have the holdings they had in the past. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I I is it a rare metal? Definitely it's a rare metal. But when when gold became more valuable than platinum and that was, that was a line that was crossed uh you know a while ago for me uh that was a turning point that was a point where i saw this getting out of control and and you're going to understand why i say this what most people don't know is that platinum is a rarer metal than gold if you took if you went out and you took all the platinum in the world off everyone's finger or off everybody, you know, from bars, whatever the case may be, you took all that platinum in the world and smelted it all down, it would all fit in one Olympic-sized pool. And now gold is not as rare as platinum, not even close. So when Spot Gold, and I remember this crossover, when Spot Gold started sort of you know trading a few hundred dollars above or even even a dollar above even when it came close to trading near platinum um i knew that you know this was all a smoke and mirror situation you know because how is gold going to be you know worth more than platinum when platinum is rare you know i mean it would make sense that platinum would be uh more valuable right well you know, uh, gold, it's fallen from its, uh, its major highs. And, and, and as, as I said earlier, you know, it's the perception, that, that perception uh, of value. And that, that, that's, that's what everyone feeds on, you know. But the reality is, is that starting, you know, what, what's, what's happening is that the reality of that value is starting to come to light, little by little. This is why my opinion, in my opinion, um, we haven't seen the true descent of gold yet of where it probably could go. You know, um, it, it's fallen from its major highs. And even when it was going up 1300 
13, 14, 15, 16. You know, people were looking at it. They, so many people were predicting spot gold hitting 2000. Uh, the, the economy is going to collapse. Gold is going to go through the roof. It's going to go to 5000. It's going to go here. You know, while little old spot, uh, spot plat, platinum traded under a thousand dollars. Uh, how does this make any sense? It never made any sense to me. I just, you know, I just kind of chuckled at it just because, you know, you, when you start looking, at things and start looking at the reality and you start laying out what makes sense and what doesn't um and, and the reasonings why something goes up you know it just for me it just you know it, it starts to make sense more sense as to why something doesn't belong where it's at you know even if you look at and i'll just touch on it you know when you look at the diamond market um you know diamonds are not rare people think that they're rare because that's the American way, you know. Um, they, you know, people, you know, women want them on their fingers. They, they want the bling bling, and everything else. But diamonds, trust me, they're not rare. There are a lot of diamonds out there, and just one company actually made them valuable through marketing, and that's the beers. They made diamonds valuable through marketing, and again, even with that, people have you know given their lives for this. And again, that's a whole other show. That's a whole other topic altogether. But again, it goes through. To, it goes back to the perception of value. What do others perceive the value of a certain thing? Okay, and there's a perception. You know, there's been a perception of gold that value. But I think the reality of the value is going to start coming to light. Now, right now, gold is a little under 1100. I think it was like 1090. Uh, something or 1085 per troy ounce. And honestly, if I had to put a range uh, that I saw gold falling to, then I would say, and, and you know, people, a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but the, again, these are my opinions. Um, anywhere from 600 to $800, that's where I think that it should be. And, you know, with, and that's, that's what platinum trading above that, of course. That, you know, I mean, when everything starts balancing out, then it'll make some, some type of sense to me. Uh, we're, we're not in the Stone Age. And I, I said this on social media. We're not in the Stone Age. We are in the digital age. And gold, at this point, will be more useful in technology. You know, people, you know, you can use it in technology, computers, uh, motherboards, things of that nature, cell phones. And, and of course, the luxury arena, when people want to wear gold and they want, they want it on their fingers, around their necks, so on and so forth. And that, that's where, you know, that's where the value is going to be. You know, it's not going to be a hedge against inflation. You're not, you're not going to hoard gold because you think that the, the market is going to collapse. You know, um, you know, that, that's, again, that, that notion doesn't, in my mind, doesn't exist anymore. Uh, the perceived value of gold will have to change at some point. And people start waking up. And I guess when enough money is lost, then most people will begin to open their eyes. You know, this, this does open up a ton of opportunities to those future traders who are, you know, are sliding in and out. Uh, booking, booking a spread, uh, they're, they're, um, they're kind of banking on the volatility. Uh, in my opinion, you know, again, there's a lot of money to be made doing that if you know what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's stressful, it's hectic, it can be very dangerous too. You can lose your shirt, shirt in a heartbeat. But if you know what you're doing, there's a lot of money to be made there. Um, and, you know, you look, you'll, you'll, 
you'll have those players that will be in the mix and they'll make a nice profit moving forward. And that's going to be there. And just for full disclosure, I need to say this, that any commodity that I speak about on Money Never Sleeps or any publicly traded company that I speak about on Money Never Sleeps, I do not own. All right, this allows my views to be unbiased, and that's the way they should be on the show. I don't want to come on here and speak about something that I own because, you know, then at that point I, I would have some, some sort of vested interest in it, it being more valuable. So uh, this is how we keep the integrity of the show. Uh, on that note, let's take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to be talking about Twitter, Facebook, Google, Netflix, and my views on these companies. So stay with us on Money Never Sleeps. Thousands of Northern California residents remain in shelters as a more than 100 square mile destructive wildfire continues to threaten homes and buildings. At least two dozen passengers are dead, hundreds more injured after a pair of trains derailed minutes apart on flooded tracks over a bridge in central India. Florida authorities are investigating whether a Pensacola area triple homicide was committed as part of a ritualistic ceremony in connection with the recent blue moon. Officials say a person of interest has been identified. And Mitsubishi is set to begin testing airplanes in Washington state as the Japanese automaker enters the commuter jet market. Hi, everyone. John and Pete Najarian here at the NASDAQ with some news you do not want to miss. As option floor traders, CNBC contributors, and co-founders of OptionMonster.com, people always want to know our secrets for trading the options. So we wrote an entire book on it. And today, to celebrate the book launch, we're giving away a limited number of these books for free. All you have to do is cover shipping and handling. Learn how you can use options like we do to make more income with less capital. To reduce your investment risks. And to make money regardless of which way the market's moving. It's all right here in this book, and today we're giving it away to you for free. Equity options today are hailed as one of the most successful financial products to be introduced in modern times. You have to learn to profit from them. This one book could dramatically increase your investment returns. And today it's free. So pick up that phone and call now. Call 1-800-961-1923 for your free book. That's 1-800-961-1923. Call now. There are 10 Republicans who will be there for primetime Thursday night. Donald Trump. No one would have seen this coming, you know, two, three months ago. But Donald Trump will be front and center on that debate stage. I'd say that Donald Trump has exceeded his own expectations, his own lofty expectations up to this point. Speaking to other campaigns, they consider Donald Trump the ultimate wild card on that debate stage. No one knows what he'll say, what he'll do. He's proven over his career to be the one guy willing to say what other people only think. All eyes will be on how other candidates deal with Donald Trump. Um, he, he will be in the middle. Um, what does he do? do? Do people go after him? Do they ignore him? You know, key questions there. We all also want to look at some of these lower tier candidates to see if they make a move. For some of these people, like Ohio Governor John Kasich, most voters don't know who he is. So, so th there, is, there is a thought that, that folks like him need to um, make a splash somehow. Voters will start to pay more attention now. You know, up to this point, it's been individuals crisscrossing the country, you know, um, refining their messages. Now, for the first time, they'll all be on stage facing a primetime audience um, and really tested on a level that we haven't seen so far. So nothing that happens this Thursday night will be 
a game changer short of, of, a, of a Rick Perry oops moment or something like that. If these candidates can avoid, you know, making a fatal flaw of some sort, you know, most will, will live to, to debate again. It's going to be entertaining. It could be a circus-like like atmosphere, but I don't think anyone's candidacy will be, you know, made or broken per se um, on Thursday night. And we're back on Money Never Sleeps, and I want to talk about the tech arena and touch on a couple of names. Uh, Twitter has been under fire as of late. You know, the stock slipped hard after they they were brutally honest. Their brutal honesty and dark outlook for the company, uh, the company's immediate growth. And again, a lot of people didn't expect it. I listened to that Periscope a few times, and then I reflected on when uh, when Dick Costello and Jack Dorsey were on CNBC. I think it was about a month or so ago when they were switching positions. You know, Dick was coming out, Jack was going in as the interim CEO, um, and uh, yeah. So they they uh, they said that you know with that change that their strategy that their direction, that their plan was going to remain intact, that they weren't going to change anything. And I, and for me, that was a little weird because why would you go switch, I mean, major officers, you, you're switching the CEO of the company. Why would you do that at a time when the company needs you most? You know, I know that, that Costello was getting a lot of criticism from investors, and maybe there was too much pressure for him. I don't know. You know, he's been in the financial game for a while, so I don't know how that would be too much pressure. You know, it's not like he's going to lose any more hair. You know, I mean, just, you just, you just deal with it. You're, you're, you're running the company. You chose to lead the company and make it a publicly traded company. So what are you doing? Okay. So, you know, I didn't understand that. If you, you're going to change CEOs, of course, you're going to start tweaking the plan for future, for future growth. And, and I didn't understand that whole deal. Okay. So, the comments that they made on that Periscope uh, during the investors' call uh, that scared investors and that threw off a lot of analysts and that basically left me confused. Uh, why would you say that? You know, I mean, the company is not a bad company. It maybe it needs to be run better. That's for sure. Uh, Twitter itself is a great platform. No one can ever ever dispute that. I was using Twitter when you had to send a text from your phone. I was using a BlackBerry. I had to send my te- a text from my phone to for it to show up on, uh, on Twitter. And it looked, it showed so much promise because it was so simple. Uh, when Ashton Kutcher, he became the evangelist. A lot of people forget this. He became the evangelist. He was all over the place promoting this. Uh, he was the evangelist of the platform. And I mean, he was, uh, he was going on talk shows talking about it. He was in love with it, in love with it. And it started to really, really, really take off, uh, when Oprah used it. That was the big thing. When she used it, it was game on, things changed, the company went to another level, and it continued to grow. Uh, many people didn't understand it. Even today, a lot of people don't understand it, and you know something? That is unfortunate, and you know whose fault that is? That's the company's fault. Go out there and let people know what you do. Make a damn video. Make a video. Show how it works. It's not complex. It's very simple. You know, it's not like you don't have the money. 
Okay, you, 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 what does it take to make a video and show people and, and get out there, get in front of people? Doesn't take much. Facebook did it. And LinkedIn does it. Uh, every other social media outlet does it. You know, I mean, of course, Instagram and other, other companies didn't have to, but they got taken over. Okay, Twitter, you, you're supposed to be a leader. You know, so I think, uh, Jack and crew have to step up. You know, and, and I need to say this too. You know, Twitter, a lot of people compare Twitter to Facebook, and you really, you can't compare Twitter to Facebook in the least. Facebook, you know, was the original disruptor in this, in this arena. Uh, when it was initially, uh, when it initially came out, it was restricted to university students. You know, you needed a school email in order to sign up. And I'm sure that a lot of people will be reminiscing, oh, yeah, I remember when I was in school and I signed up for Facebook. Okay, you needed that school email because it kind of, pinpointed you and locked you into whatever school so if you were going to harvard or or you were going to yale or whatever the case may be you were in that uh, in that grouping you know and that's where you, they had the groupings that you were in that school and people knew what school you went to um and uh yeah you know but it evolved like anything else you know evolves and that's what technology does it evolves myspace Used to be the cool place. Used to be the place to be that you had to have a MySpace account. You had to be on there because that's the way you communicate with people. Uh, yeah, that was until Facebook came along then, you know, really. Who even uses MySpace any longer? And more importantly, if you look at the new generation, do they even know what MySpace is? Okay, you know, so things evolve and things disappear. And what you have standing right now in the social media arena, this, these, these are the leaders. You know, uh, Google is in a class by itself, but, you know, you're talking about, you know, Facebook and Twitter. These, these are your leaders in social media, LinkedIn and, and, and the business area. They're your leaders in social media. Okay, of course, you have your Snapchats and stuff like that. But, you know, again... Um, you know, that, that Snapchat, I, I have my own opinions on that. You know, it is evolving and, uh, it's building up. You know, they, they, they put a, they put on a great show. They put on a great show when they first, uh, came out. And, you know, they, you know, uh, they're still, the, the guys were smart. They danced around and they painted the picture that they wanted everyone to see. And you had people out there that bought it and they invested in it and they made, you know, their words where, you know, some things weren't, actually what they were but then they made it legit and they made it real you know and that's the way to go so good for them um so anyway you know myspace gone you have snapchat everything else uh so facebook you know became the place to be especially when they opened up and anyone was able to join there was a place to be make connections reconnect market advertise whatever you need to do uh but over time facebook evolved from, from being just for the youth and being for the hip crowd to being for everyone we're not only you know kids but their parents grandparents and maybe even their great parent great grandparents have an account and when you look at the size of facebook and the number of users they have it's in it's in was it 1.6 billion something in that range and of course if you have every generation utilizing it you know you're gonna hit high numbers you're gonna hit a lot lot higher numbers than other social media outlets you know like instagram is is growing but that's still a facebook company but it's growing okay uh, but you won't see 
your 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 you know your grandparents on there. They'll say say on Facebook because it's easier for them to understand. And everything comes down to ease of understanding. So this is why you can't compare Twitter to Facebook. Twitter is still evolving, and that plat their platform wasn't designed, you know, for massive horizontal growth. Um, ju- just you know, vertical growth. Meaning they can't add on a ton of features as Facebook can. Um, and they can't, you know, Facebook can add m- so many features on on their platform, they can have that all in one place. And I'm not talking about Instagram and everything else. I'm talking about just adding features on that they can do this. You can have a, you know, give a gift and do that and, and have all these games and all that stuff can happen. And that's, that's what you can do on Facebook. And they did that purposely because they, they created it the right way. They didn't want some simplicity. And it wasn't so much just about the social media. It was about having a, a place where you can bring so many people. And when you have all those people in there, then you go to the next level. And that's where they're going right now. They're going to the next level. And trust me, they, they, they have many more chapters to go, uh, in this, in this story. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how things evolve. You know, with 3D, the, you know, with 3D, uh, technology, everything else, they're going to be involved in everything just the way Google is. Um, but, uh, again, you know, the Twitter, Twitter's platform wasn't designed for that. It was designed for some simplicity. And you look, you have, you, you know, 300 million uh, users later and you really can't revamp what they did already. And, and that's all you can do. All you can do at this point is have Twitter be an umbrella company for many singular applications, which is fine. And that, that's, that's one of the ways they're gonna, they're gonna actually be able to grow their company. They're gonna be able to grow their user base. When Facebook acquired Instagram, they could have figured out how to integrate it into Facebook. But then that would have defeated the purpose of having a, a solely photo and video focused platform. Same with WhatsApp. You know, they did the smartest thing and people didn't get it, but they're getting it now. They kept their individual identities. They kept the platforms individual, thus giving Facebook, and you're going to love this, an extended advertising marketing platform. Yes, just because you run ads on Facebook doesn't mean that you're going to be able to share those same ads on Instagram. And if you if you want to do that, you have to pay to play. You have to pay for that privilege. So if you want to advertise on Facebook, that's one thing. You want to advertise on Instagram, that's something else. So, yeah, they made some smart moves, and that's why their register's ringing for Facebook every day. And Twitter can only make acquisitions or develop properties outside of the realm of Twitter, but still allowing some communication between the platforms, and that's where Twitter will shine bright. Uh, I personally uh, was working on a platform with my tech team that would have given uh, a nice solution to Twitter's growth uh, issue. And we're still tweaking it, and hopefully we'll be able to unveil it uh, the new version in the next few months. But until that time, uh, for those investors in Twitter, I, look, I would see these dips in the stock as a buying opportunity. You know, when Facebook dipped down after the IPO, it was about 17, 18 bucks. People were humming and whoring. They were selling. They were dumping. I said, you idiots, buy the stock. One person, I told him, I said, buy it. 
buy it now. They, he said to me, well, why am I going to buy it? It's going on the tank. I said, it's not going on the tank. This is the future. This is the future. Well, guess what? The guy bought it, and you know something? About a week ago when I saw him, he thanked me because he bought it, and he's still in it. So, you know, you have to look at the big picture. Don't be a day trader. If you're not a day trader, don't day trade. If you're looking for the long haul, be a long-term investor. Look at the future. You know, and and I'm going to touch on this too. The rumors of Twitter being taken over, I, look, I don't find any merit in it. If they were if they were taken over, honestly, it would be the death of Twitter in my opinion. You might as well just stick with Facebook and and stick in that realm or, you know, I mean, look, Google even got rid of Google Plus. You know, so the reality is, you know, you have to, um, you know, you have to look at the big picture and Twitter has, has a big future. Uh, I don't, I think that they need someone to run the company. Of course, it'd be great to have Jack Dorsey there and settle in, but you know, he has Square, so I don't really think that's going to happen. They need someone that's going to actually run the company and be committed to the company and make the company work and, and make some smart decisions. And you know something? One, one of the big problems with Twitter, um, that, that I have to say is a verification process, and I have to say it in the show because I've sp- I speak to so many people, prominent, prominent people in Hollywood, uh, that are on t- TV shows and everything else, and they have, and, and athletes and celebrities, they have an issue getting their, their accounts verified. Okay, and uh, it floors me because some other people get their accounts verified that are really in nowhere's land. Uh, and but meanwhile, the people that should get their accounts verified, it's it's difficult. And I try to help them to to push that through, but you know, uh, that's something that you know, Twitter has to tweak. So if anyone from Twitter is listening to the show, you know, definitely tweak that because come on, you know, the process shouldn't be that difficult. Okay, as long as it is verified that the person is who they say they are, and you verify that in your way, uh, and 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 uh, this should be a simple way of doing that. Okay, now Google is a juggernaut. There's no denying this. I love this company for many reasons: for their innovation, for their commitment to new technology and and growth. Uh, I remember first seeing Google for the first time, and it was a white page with a line with, with a box in it. I said, "What what am I going to do with this?" And look at them now. They're not afraid of taking chances. So they, you know, they're investing and partnering with innovative new companies that are, that, that are in need of a little hand up. They're in need of some financing to go that extra mile to open things up. And basically by doing this, this is only adding to their tentacles. Their, their reach is getting, is expanding and people don't see it. And their their reach is pretty big right now, but their reach is going to be bigger in different areas. Forget about the self driving cars. Forget about all that stuff. They're already venturing into things that you don't even you you don't want to even hear about. Okay, but I but trust me, they are. All right, Netflix, another company. Uh this 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 company, you know, people laughed. They laughed. I mean, when Blockbuster was around and all the you know, Hollywood video, people laughed at Netflix. They said, what are you talking about? What is this company? They're going to fail. They're going to go under. They're going to sink. They're going to tank. Blockbuster laughed at them. Blockbuster laughed. They said, it's a fad. It's nothing. Same way the TV was a fad and the radio was a fad, right? Okay. Cars were a fad at one point, too. Um, but they, they thought that the business plan was never going to work. And it was too radical. 
too radical. Meanwhile, today the company went from being a micro cap company. If you own the stock back then and you're still holding on to it, go man, I pat you on the back because you did a good thing. Uh, and it became one of the monsters on the NASDAQ. Reed Hastings, he is the man. He's a visionary. And in my opinion, Netflix post-split will create even more opportunity because it became more affordable. So people can actually go and buy some. And they're just warming up uh, for, wh- for where they're going to eventually be. We don't know where that's going to be. But trust me, the growth is going to be horrendous. And they are in their own category. I can't even say even Amazon is in that category because, honestly, even though you have HBO and other networks trying to do the standalone mobile streaming and that type of thing, uh, no one can touch Netflix. They they went through the wars. They went through uh, figuring it out, how to do this, how to do this without crashing networks. They figured this whole thing out. And all these other, you know, and I love Amazon, too. But their their um their TV part of it will never touch Netflix. I mean, honestly, they should take Hulu and just merge it with Netflix and call it a day and just let it work. Okay, so Netflix is actually you know uh, going and it's going to go far. And the great thing about it, they're not locked into any one network, one movie, or one anything. They are broad based. And from bringing on original content and being a good partner to work with, you know, if you hear, uh, you know, Disney, you know, Disney does a lot of stuff with Netflix. Okay, so you have a winning combination. And the future is bright for this company long term. Trust me on that. And anyway, that's about it for this episode of Money Never Sleeps. I want to thank you again for joining me. And as always, you can listen to the past shows at MoneyNeverSleepsRadio.com. And if you have any topic requests, feel free to email us uh, from the website as well. We all, we're always looking to hear from our listeners and try to bring uh, and try to make the show as informative and entertaining as possible. Anyway, I hope that all of you have a profitable rest of the week and we'll be back with you on the next uh, episode of Money Never Sleeps. Initiating shutdown sequence. You're listening to UCW Radio in your face. What is your major malfunction? All that will be written. So let it be done. Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. All opinions expressed by Louis Velasquez on the Money Never Sleeps radio show and its website are solely his opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the UCW radio show or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by him on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by him as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. His opinions are based upon information he considers to be reliable, but neither the UCW radio show nor its affiliates, parent companies, and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. The UCW radio show, Louis Velasquez, its affiliates, parent companies, and or subsidiaries are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided on the radio show or on the website. His statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. No part of his compensation from the UCW radio show is related to the specific opinions he expresses. Please read the full disclaimer on MoneyNeverSleepsRadio.com.